So I want to start with a question. Are you ready? What would others say that you are always doing? If you went up to someone that knew you well and asked them, what am I always doing? How are you known? What would they say you're always doing? Some of you might be, man, they're always complaining. How many of you know someone like that? Always complaining. Some of you are pointing at someone near you. That's not a good thing. You don't have to do that. Maybe griping and maybe talking about the weather. Maybe you're always working. Maybe you're always reading. Maybe you're always talking. Uh, maybe you're known for some things like that. Maybe it's sharing Christ. Maybe it's being on social media. Maybe it's working out. Maybe it's passing out gospel tracts. Maybe it is something good or bad. But what are you always known for doing? What are you always busy with? What defines you? Think about that. The people who know you best, if they summed you up with an activity, what would they say? Some of you know the answer. Do you like that answer? You can redefine that if you don't like that answer. Sometimes people tell me, I know you love being a dad. That's a compliment to me. Doesn't mean I'm a great dad. It means I put a priority on being a dad. Some people could say, man, I appreciate being a Christian. If people can say that about you, that's good. That means you're reflecting the light of Christ. Sometimes they may say, yeah, you are complaining a lot. You need to watch that. But what are you known for? What would they say you're always doing? We live in a self-promoting culture. That's just where we're at. We live in a self-promoting culture. There's people that post all the time a picture of themselves. What are they called? Man, everybody knew that. Selfies. Now, we've taken a family selfie, but so to this point, I have never taken a picture of myself. There's many good reasons for that. You're looking at my face, so you know the almost obvious one. But people want to promote themselves. In fact, Forbes talks about it's a skill. There's a book out. I think it's something about 40 ways to self-promote yourself without being, you know, being annoying or something. It's just ridiculous that people want to do this. Self-promotion is supposed to be a skill, something you work at, something you develop. Half of the teenagers that they talked about or talked interviewed said, we want to be a YouTube star. That's their goal right now in life. 54% for their career occupation, their desire is to be a celebrity. That's their whole goal. So over half the teenagers want to be a YouTube star and a celebrity. I don't know about you. I don't know that it's attainable for all of them. I've seen the talent of most of the teenagers that I know and know it's not attainable. Uh, but no, you see that. It's a self-promotion. That's magnifying themselves. That's natural. That's what people desire to be. In fact, in many conversations in today's society, if you listen to the radio, if you listen to people talk, they talk about something that used to be a negative, and I do know what it stands for. They say, who is the GOAT? Anybody know what that means? Many of you know the greatest of all time. They have debates about people. Oh, man, they're the GOAT in this area or this area. And they talk about it. Who is the greatest of all time? People talk about basketball, who is the greatest of all time. Now, that's an easy one. That's a definitive answer. There's no debate, right? All right, so many of you agree, and some of you probably disagree with what I'm thinking right now. I grew up in the late 90s. I was a big Bulls fan. So who do I think the GOAT is? There you go. So all of us agree. Good. I'm glad we got that settled. No. But we have this conversation. So we desire, man, we want to be the GOAT. We want to be the best. We want to be the greatest of all time. We're in a self-promoting culture. What are we always known for? So I went and said, what does the Bible say you have to do to be the GOAT? 
If you want to be the goat, what do you have to do? So I'll just refer to this verse. We'll get to the text in a minute. The Bible says in Matthew 23, 11, it says, He that is greatest, or the goat, among you shall be your what? Now that's the opposite of our culture. That means it goes counterculture. It goes against my grain, and my guess is it goes against your grain. I remember when my son Dave was two or three years of age, and we were getting a delivery to the house, and it was something we had to carry in. And I, I, I was trying to get there to help, and I got there and a, a little bit late, and Dave was trying to help this guy, and he was so little, the guy was being super nice and trying to let Dave help carry and, you know, stumble around. And I remember I got there, and the guy was trying to befriend Dave and just talk to him. And he said, hey, man, you're doing such a good job. Help me. He goes, what do you want to be someday? I was curious, too. What's Dave going to say? I remember Dave looked at it. He goes, I want to be a servant. And you would have thought right now, man, that's a proud dad moment. It's actually a really awkward moment. (laughs) This guy looked at me like, who are you? You know, what are you telling your kid? He's got to serve you? Do you have a bell in your home that you ring? Son, ring, ring. You know, what are you doing to this kid? So then I try to explain, well, in the Bible, it talks about being a servant. And this guy shows this guy's like, I got to get out of here. This family is weird. But that's what culture thinks. If you said, I want to be a servant, what are you always known for doing? Oh, man, they're always known for being a servant. We almost view that as a negative or a slight on that person. But in God's world, the person who's known for being the goat is the one who serves the most. That's so opposite. We just read a passage in Acts 9, 36 to 42, and I'll just refer back to it because it's a very simple story, and it's a story if you reread frequently, it challenges me. There's a lady, I think the first Greek female mentioned in the New Testament. And her name is Tabitha, also interpreted Dorcas. Now, that had to be like her little brother. You know, he just called her that. It says it's interpreted gazelle, but he had to just tell her that. He always just called her Dorcas and said, that's another way to say your name. But she was known as just being a poor lady that probably helped some people, but she passed away unexpectedly. And so many people went to the upper chamber and begged to get in for her viewing. And then when they got there, they started comparing all the things she had made for them and all the gestures of service she had done for them. And the people realized, we lost the goat of our area. Go get Peter and tell him, we can't live without this lady. Look at what she's done to impact our society, our town. Look at how much she has accomplished. Now, does she have a big title? Did she have a lot of wealth? I don't think she had any of those things. Peter came and saw the group of people and had to be moved to think, who is this lady? Was she a lady of means? Was she a lady of power? No, she's just a servant. But in God's eyes, that's the goat. Peter raised her from the dead, and people were happy, and many people turned to the Lord, and the Lord was magnified through a lady. You know what she did? She met needs. You know what she did? She did things that you did tonight on a regular basis. You know what she did? She saw little things that could be done. People that needed encouraging text or a note. Person that may need a visit. Someone that may need a ride to church. Someone that may need the gospel. She just went about 
as they said about Jesus, doing good. That doesn't take a lot of talent or money. It just takes time and effort. And Jesus said, I want someone like that brought back to life. But let's be honest. We don't want anyone to ever perish or pass on. But it happens. But how many people, when they pass away, you get together and say, we got to have them back. Wouldn't you like that said about you? Wouldn't you like people, when you pass, to be a tragedy and say, man, look what they did for me? Now, don't do what happened to us when we were little. Someone, I'm sure, being extremely thoughtful. I don't know who it is, so if they're still alive and they hear this, I apologize. But they crocheted mittens for us. Now, there are, there's quarter-inch holes through the whole mitten. You could see your hand when you put these mittens on. And they were like the colors of the rainbow. This way, striped. And I, my brother and I did not want to wear these. She weighed a matching hat, but thank the Lord, my mom had compassion, didn't make us wear the hat. But we had to wear those mittens sometimes, and your hands just got more cold because they got wet. So not only could you see through them, then it's wet. It's like wearing a wet dish rag that's cold around on your hands. Now that was punishment. So I'm sure Tabitha did a way better job than that, or people wouldn't have gathered together. Am I complaining right now? Yes. I couldn't when I was a kid. I'm getting it off my chest now. Man, does it feel great. But who is greatest among you? So our challenge is, instead of always serving ourselves, we should always be serving others. That's our challenge. If we want to make an impact, if we want to be the goat like Tabitha was, we have to find a way to always serve others. We have to ask, what will make a difference and bring fulfillment? We always want fulfillment in our terms. When we serve, and I'm the same way you are, so I totally get it. When I serve someone else you and I want, I want like trumpets to blare, and Jesus to have his hand come out of the cloud and say, yeah, give it here, man, high five. That's what I want. How many people would like that right now? Some of you are like, I'm going to raise my hand. You, you all want that too. Or you do some like really kind thing, you know, the one time someone has short of money somewhere and you go up and you pay their bill. You want like a TV camera to be there. Sir, do you mind if we catch that moment on camera where you reached in your wallet and you went up there and offered to, what inspired you to do that? Man, it's the love of Jesus Christ. I, I'm a humble guy, but you caught me serving this one time. We all want that, don't we? You want to be on the news the next week at church, let me show you this clip, and they show you that clip, and everybody gives you a hand, and you're like, yeah. You know, we like that. We all want that fulfillment. But how many of you have ever done something nice? And you know what happens? Nothing. How many of you ever held a door for someone? I mean, like ridiculously long. They're a quarter mile away. Here it is. They just go through. How many of you, be honest, how many of you when that happens, it's all you could do not to trip them? <laughs> I still think one of the most amazing stories, I was taken, all three of my boys, and they were young, home from church, and I had them in the car, and I said, guys, you know, we got to make sure we're focused on people, helping people, and make sure we do it. And I actually prayed to God, if there's someone that needs help tonight, it would be good for the boys. And we were going down a dark road, no streetlights. 
And we're driving down, and I thought, there's someone up there walking beside the road. This is it. God just answered my prayer. I was so excited. Dad's going to be the hero. This is going to be amazing. So I see that person, put my brights on, slowed down, put my hazards on, coming up. And it was, it was probably a 20s young lady. So my kids, I put the window down. I thought, here it is. I'm going to say the right thing. This lady's going to have tears coming down her face. Oh, sir. Oh, these are young boys. Yes, it is. We're a family out here serving. What can we do for you? I thought that was going to happen. So I pulled over. She comes up and kind of made me nervous. She like peered in the car like this <laughs> a little bit. And we're like, whoa, whoa, you know, easy, easy. <laughs> and she started cursing. I thought, I'm here to be the rescuer. You're not supposed to get frustrated with me. She said, you're not my ride. No, I'm, I'm a hero right now. You're, you're misunderstanding this. My boys are in my car with me. This is the moment to teach them. Serving the Lord matters. And when you help somebody, you're going to see the grace of God. She goes, man, I'm just trying to sneak out of the house, and you guys come through. Great. So now do I go rat on her? I was trying to rescue your young woman out here, and she's running away, obviously, and was very upset. And yes, she's still right beside me right now saying bad words uh, with my young boys in the car. You don't know what to do. She's like, get out of here. So I went and I said, boys, and that's why you never help anyone ever again. <laughs> it ruined, ruined everything. But culture says, gratify yourself. In fact, there's a hashtag that says, treat yourself. Treat yourself. How many of you ever used that hashtag? Be honest right now. You've used that hashtag. Some of you are really embarrassed right now. Oh, man. You're driving by an ice cream store. Yeah, treat yourself. Here I come, right? <laughs> Pulling in a drive-thru. You want to supersize it? Treat yourself. Right here, right? You have that. But that's what we want. That's our culture. But the Bible says we're not looking for self-fulfillment because if I'm dependent on what other people can do for me every time I serve them, I'm going to be disappointed. And I've unfortunately found that many times, and probably many people who have done things for me have found that out as well. They've been disappointed by my reaction. But ultimately, I have to decide my motive and who I'm doing it for. The Apostle Paul writes a couple things. One of the verses I'm going to mention right now in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Just look at it. It says, whether, therefore, you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of who? And if I keep my motive right, and when I serve, I do it for the Lord, I find I'm challenged to do more. When my motive is truly, God, you've done so much for me, I want to do something for you. What did Brother Judah get up and talk about tonight? You've done it to the least of these, my brethren. Does it say that they come back and pat you on the back and TV cameras catch you, pastor gets up and mention you in a service, they put your name up on a screen? Is that what they said? No. The reward is what? You've done it unto what? You've done it for God. So Jesus says that. Paul says that. Seems like we could learn it. And when I find myself only serving because I want fulfillment from who I'm giving to, I'm disappointed. But when I find myself just wanting to be used to the Lord to please Him, I find fulfillment. 
Now, I still struggle with it because I live in the same culture you do that says treat yourself. But when I do it correctly, I'm challenged and fulfilled. And I'm on my path to being a servant. But I struggle mightily with that. And sometimes I have to challenge myself and ask myself this question. What if the actual work or the service is the reward? What if that is the reward? What if shaping my being and my spirit and my actions to be more like Christ and changing into his image and conforming to what he wants, maybe that is the reward. Maybe the reward is not a a prize around the corner or a raise. Maybe the reward is not some opportunity that I'm seeking. Maybe the work itself is the reward. What did Jesus say continually? I must be about my what? You hear that. He said the work is the reward. Pleasing my father is the reward. If you ever have a child and they want to do something and they serve you around the house or take the trash out or do a chore or help mow the lawn or maybe just pick something up or clean something up and you, they look at you, especially when they're younger, and you can see in their face. You know all they want from you is, man, good job. That's all they need because they're doing it. You know why? To please you. You know what those children are a picture of in your home? Our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Man, tonight, just think of the fulfillment. If you paid and sacrificed and gave a bag, came down, lovingly wrote a note, left it on the altar, and just said, man, I don't know who this is going to, but God, you know who ultimately I'm doing this for and who it's going to be a blessing to? It's going to be a blessing to you because you're using me. What if that work is your reward? That can be motivating to do more. What if the prize is the process? Man, next week, Pastor Brother Judah talked about having a whole other chance to do this, and again on the 20th, another chance to do this, and this could be an emphasis or a catapult to making you do some more things and challenging you to say, man, my eyes need to be turned outward because maybe the prize is the process. Maybe the prize is not. I'm going to do this and be noticed. Maybe the prize is not. I'm going to do this and all of a sudden fix this problem here in my life or fix this problem. Maybe you're struggling in your relationships. Maybe your marriage is struggling right now. Maybe you're struggling financially right now, and you say, it was a sacrifice for me to do this. And boy, God, if you don't come through for me, but you have to understand, as we seek to please the Lord, as we seek for opportunities to serve, as we seek to please Him, that might be the reward. That might be the process that we need. As I thought about it, I thought, what are some reasons that I get weary or discouraged? What are some reasons I refuse to serve? The first one is just the pillow the seduction of comfort. How many of you, when you're sitting in your nice, warm, climate-controlled car or home, you want to get out of that and to do something that is uncomfortable? Am I the only one? How come every single time that I choose to help someone beside the road, there's no one else around, it is just me, and the weather is terrible? Am I the only one? Why can't it ever be a really rich person that wants to bestow a blessing on me? Man, you're the only guy that stopped. Here's a few thousand dollars. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. How come that never happens to me? I hear people tell those stories, and I'm sure you're a far better Christian than I am. I don't have a great spirit about that. Anybody else besides me have that? I take it by your laughter and your refusal to raise your hand that you're in agreement. All right, we'll go with that. But the seduction of comfort, it's hard to get out of our comfort zone. It's hard to say, man, that's what I want. 
It's hard to say, you know what, I just want a better house, a better car, a better paying job, or seeking this title, or seeking this opportunity. It's easy to do that, but when I become enamored with that, then I become less enamored with serving. Sometimes we get obsessed with her occupation. What occupation did Tabitha have? I don't know. What status did she have with her local people and with God? Servant or the goat? Your occupation, whether you are someone who works a secular job that you love or hate, a man who is on staff at a church or not on staff at a church, whether you are a person that stays at home, whether you work from home, whether you commute to Chicago, it does not matter. You can still be the goat in God's eyes by serving. And if you are someone, a pastor, that is in full-time service, and you're doing it for the wrong motives, and you're doing it for yourself, and you're doing it for the wrong opportunities, you can be more miserable than someone who is not serving the Lord full-time, but doing it because their heart is to please the Lord. Our heart to please the Lord is very important. Do you want to be a servant? The pillow was the first enemy. The second one is this, shiny things, the allure of distractions. We want everything now. Notification from devices. We want instant pleasure, instant feedback. We want everything done where we see that gratification instantly. We want to always be on YouTube. We want to always be on social media. We want someone to see us and what we're accomplishing. We can get overscheduled. We can get overly busy. We can get so busy with our own lives and our own things and our own world and our own desires that we refuse to please the Lord and keep him first. Last is the towel, the perpetual temptation to quit. Some of you have given and served for many years. And I'm sure all of us at times wonder, is it worth it? We sometimes can get weary in well-doing. You can sometimes say, God, are you serious? No one appreciates me. You wonder, am I making a difference? I don't know this to be true, but my guess is someone like Tabitha, who probably struggled financially and probably did not feel well-known, and probably was just a, a person that attended and served with a group of believers, probably wondered the same thing. But man, what a difference on earth. Think of the reception she got in heaven. Think if she was able to taste heaven the time she was passed and how pleased the Lord was with her. Then she came back and saw the difference. And when we do things correctly and the Lord is our motivation and serving him is our reward, when we get to heaven, you hear it, but it's true. You don't throw in the towel. Man, you're serving the Lord and you see your spouse get sick. You're serving the Lord and maybe your marriage falls apart. You're serving the Lord and one of your children disappoints you. You're serving the Lord and things just aren't turning out the way you want. You're doing all you can to help other people and there's someone that you really want to help that's close to you and they're just disappointing you and what in the world do you do? And you want to throw in the towel. That is an enemy to service. Jesus says, I don't want you to throw in the towel. I don't want you distracted all the time. And I certainly don't want you addicted to comfort. You have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to prioritize properly where you're not always distracted. And you have to put away that temptation to quit because you're discouraged. Am I saying it's easy? Absolutely not. But I am saying it's worth it. 
Paul had some passion in Acts 20, 24, and I will move quickly. It says, Paul is writing, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Selfish passion is all but us. God is calling us to selfless purpose. Does it sound like Paul had a purpose here? Pleasing the Lord. Fulfilling God's mission was his purpose. What is God's mission for you? What can you do to serve? What can you do to make a difference? Paul found his passion. When I read Paul's epistles, I don't know how he kept going. I really don't. Every time I'm so challenged of what a pitiful person I am in my dedication to the Lord compared to the Apostle Paul. But he had purpose, and he was passionate about it. I want to fulfill the Lord. I want to finish my course. I never want to throw in the towel. I'm not going to seek comfort, and I'm not going to be distracted by unnecessary things. I'm going to serve the Lord. How can you serve? If you ask right now the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, you show me right now how to serve. Are you willing to pray that prayer? Are you willing to ask that question? How can you serve? Well, I don't know what I can do. Ask the Holy Spirit what you can do. Open your eyes. Look around. He'll show you. If you really don't know, ask someone close to you. Ask someone who has a need. If you ask the Lord to help you, he shows me. The problem is sometimes I don't want to listen. Have you ever been challenged by the Lord to serve by giving a few dollars to somebody and you've kind of argued with God? Am I the only one? I did that. One day I told the Lord, Lord, if you want me to give some money to someone, just show me. Well, he showed me somebody. And I said, God, I don't know if that's sure. If you want me to, show, if you want me to give money to that person, have me cross their path again. And what are the odds of that? Because I can avoid them. I crossed her path one more time, and I said, okay, okay, God, one more, one more time. And between you and me, my head was on a swivel. If I saw him, I'm gone. I still remember I was standing talking to someone, and someone tapped me on the shoulder. I didn't think anything about it. Turned around, guess who it was? That person. So I punched him, and I said, you know what? No, I didn't. I gave them what I had asked the Lord, or told the Lord I'd be willing to give. Now, I didn't do it because I really wanted to, but I'm glad I did. So sometimes I don't even do it out of the right motive, but when I ask, the Lord shows me. What made your life worth living this week? How did you fulfill God's purpose? What was fulfilling to you this week? Playing more video games? Watching more TV? Gratifying yourself? Treating yourself? Serving yourself? Some of you admit it. When you filled this bag tonight and brought it forward and wrote a nice, kind letter, it was fulfilling. You know why? Because you're fulfilling God's purpose, and there's something deeply gratifying about that. You know what some of you got fulfillment from this morning? Picking up people to church. Some of you by teaching the Bible. Some of you by greeting someone who came to church. Some of you by being kind to a coworker who's struggling or maybe not as nice to you. That's fulfilling. Does that mean you get money from it? Not necessarily. But you're serving the Lord, right? You've done it to the least of these, my brother, you've done it unto him. Last, whatever you do, my challenge, your challenge, is do it all 
for the glory of God. When I do this properly, and I truly do it for him, I find fulfillment. When I slip, and I try to selflessly give myself, and just be faithful, serving a few people here, or doing something here, or doing something small here, and I want to be noticed, and why am I not being acknowledged, and why does no one appreciate me? When I falter, and I get discouraged, and I'm weary and well-doing, it's because I want to treat myself. When I truly say, I'm doing it for him, I get back my passion like the Apostle Paul had. I struggle with it. You may struggle. Ask yourself, how can you serve? What did you do that was fulfilling this week? And last, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God.